the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Big week, big week shaping up here uh, in America and across the world, of course. We're watching uh, closely what's happening in um, in the Middle East. Um, really a scary time and uh, more, more being said by people with more experience directly than I have. But uh, certainly we're praying for everyone and keeping that in focus. And, and, and closer to home in uh, America, maybe the Republicans will pick a new speaker. Maybe, maybe not. There's like 10 people running. Uh, Jim Jordan's campaign uh, to be speaker fell short. So who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm not sure it really matters right now. I don't I don't I don't know how the Republican who wins is going to come up with one of these ridiculous deals uh, where they put um, a bunch of money for Ukraine and other wars in there and, and and are not immediately vilified by a lot of the party. At least we want um, up and down votes on things uh, that are standing alone, not rolled together. But we'll see. All right. Um, I want to share with you and I want to tell you about something that I have noticed happening and it is picking up speed and I think it's going to be important. Okay, I have told you that we're coming up on the 250th anniversary of America, right? The sesquicentennial, sesquicentennial, and um, that that is going to be a big deal, uh, frankly, especially if... um, especially if Donald Trump wins for the presidency. He's talked about it a lot. It's hard to know how Joe Biden if or, or a Democrat can celebrate America when they're so down on American history. Uh, but it's a big, big deal. 250 years. And it will start, in my opinion, it, it will start in about a month and a half. Um, let me get that. Two months, two, two months, two months from right now. Well, a little bit less than two months. And that will be on December 16th. It will be the anniversary, 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, which the Boston Tea Party is sort of the first um, uh, real um, moment, I think a convenient moment. There's other moments be, before in history, but you can mark the beginning of the American Revolution that changed the world. Just changed the world completely. Leads to the Constitution, leads to the American experiment, leads to all kinds of things. Just amazing, amazing moment. And so you start on the 16th of December and you go forward over the next two plus years, you can celebrate all the time. Every month or two, you can celebrate an, an incredible moment in American history that's on its 250th anniversary. And marking the history, I believe, is now, um, how to say, acceptable that the politically correct movement went too far. The cancel culture went too far. The idiots that funded things like defund the cops and uh, try to, you know, get rid of our history and all they, they, they were losing, they're losing. And there's a new renewed confidence. And one of the ways that I have seen that evidenced itself, I noticed this about four years ago. 
it was after Trump had won. And I was thinking about how people had it seemed to be me. They had a renewed energy for things like American heroes, American symbols, American history. Trump started that uh, presidential garden of uh, great Americans, which immediately Biden got in and reversed. He didn't like it. But I also noticed that there's a historical theme park about two mo- two hours from Paris, and it's called the Parc Poudifou. Poudifou, I think I'm saying that right. And and it is um, an extraordinary thing because there's no rides. Now, I'm a big fan of Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia. I got married in Williamsburg. My wife has family ties to that part of uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. We go frequently there. Our kids love it. We, we love to go down to the to stay in Williamsburg in the area. And we go to Yorktown. We go to Jamestown. We go to Bush Gardens. And Bush Gardens has traditionally had more history in, in the park than when you go to, say, one of the generic um, uh, parks that are around, even Disney World and others, they don't have much. Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, especially when we started going 20 years ago, it had lots of sort of Western civilization. Now, it's gotten a little bit. They don't do as many of the events. They had dancing and they had uh, different kinds of events. They don't do them as much. They're becoming much more secular and, and more not to say secular, more entertainment and ride focused because I think they uh, they got sold by Anheuser-Busch years ago. But over in in France, for about 30 years now, there has been this theme park and and the people that run it don't say that they're trying to do history because they don't want to get trapped, I think, in a debate on history. Although obviously it has a, a, a celebratory notion as one of the, one of the, the directors, one of the leaders said, um, we celebrate, uh, legends, legends, and we tell the stories of legends, but no rides, no rides, theater, acting, uh, uh, cinematography, uh, uh, animals, a massive mass, two million plus people visit every year this park. This park they call it Pou de Fou, and uh, and it's a historical theme park, and uh, and it's not even close to Paris. It's not like twenty minutes outside of Paris. It's almost two hours away, and it's on I don't know one hundred and fifty acres, a little bit less than that, and it's got all these different themed uh, celebrations of legends of legends, and it's very popular. Well, here's my point. I think that America is going to enter a period where we're becoming, I hope and pray and I hope to work on it, we're becoming less fearful of celebrating our own legends. In other words, we're just going to do it. We're going to have the confidence to celebrate our American and Western civilization legends. And as I've said over and over again, the attack on the American Constitution and the rule of law and our founding values The attack on all three of those is an attack that is meant to negate the legends, the legends and the legendary moments of not only American history, but world history. And when you celebrate those legendary moments, when you celebrate those people who did legendary things, which is at the heart of this effort in 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 uh, in uh, in France, and expanding, by the way, around the world, uh, the, the group that the, the founder of the of the effort is in his 70s, I believe. Um, and it's his family now runs it also. His name is uh, Philippe de Villiers. And um, he was a young guy. He became a politician also. But he was a young man at the time that he started this in the 1970s. And now I think his son is running it and, and other family members. And it's a huge success. But the success is that people want to celebrate the legends 
and the legendary moments of the life that they're coming out of, that they lead. And this has implications in all of the areas of what the progressive far left is trying to do in places to to negate not just our history, but the relationship of people to other people, meaning the relationship of people to their ancestors and to the, the, the people who who had dreams and dreamed them and lived them and went forward. And so I, I this is a movement I think I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited. There's actually this uh, the the um, the founders of this effort in France are coming to the United States. They're doing something in the in the uh, Smoky Mountains uh, uh, area uh, with the history of the Cherokee people. And they're doing things in other I think it's Spain. They've got a new park. But think about it. Imagine if instead of going to a roller coaster park, you had two plus million, two point three million people visited this French park no rides acting like a medieval festival kind of place we used to have them in america a little bit more and they go and they pay for tickets and they sit through this stuff and they celebrate and they love it and paris i mean excuse me france 2.3 million people mostly french is a lot of people for the population of france you know america's got 350 uh 375 million i mean you could argue about that a little bit what the number is but france has about 70 million France has about 70 million. So about one fifth the population. So it would be like 10 or 12 million people going to a, a historical theme park. There's a there's a, there's a hunger. There's a hunger. There's a hunger for the confidence. There's a hunger for the confidence of the message that is being delivered in this park, in this in this theme park outside two hours outside of France that uh, and, and widely um, considered. And voted elect, you know, selected and, and 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 voted upon as one of the most popular in the world. People are, they love being there. They don't finish and say, "Oh, I wish there was a ride and bumper cars." They say this was spectacular. And some of the things they celebrate, the secret one is the secret of of the lance, which is a battlements in front of a medieval castle about the Vikings and the uh, a thousand year old fortress of the Vikings and the explorers, the sign of triumph. That's uh, an amphitheater about the Gaul of Gaul in the Roman times. The dance of the phantom birds about a mysterious story. So mystery and on and on and on. Uh, there's even one. We had the musketeers at one point, swashbuckling musketeers. I mean, the, celebrating the legends of the life that we come out of. And can you imagine what it will be like if the American people said, you know what? We're going to celebrate the legends, legends. These are legendary people. Madison, Monroe, Jefferson, Ben Franklin and the people, George Washington, the French, of course, came in and saved our bacon in the, in the, in the Revolutionary War. But if you just focused on the miracles that, that surrounded the Revolutionary War period, the founding period, and the legends that are there, not debating the history, not debating who did what wrong or right only, it's worth having a conversation, but celebrating the legendary people that live their lives with a vision for something great that's in this core Constitution, rule of law, founding values. It's really exciting. I'll put it up on social media. Take a look. I'm optimistic that the future will include our celebrations for our sesquicentennial that will be like what they're doing in France. We'll take a break right now and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest has been on the program before with us, Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld. Uh, She's uh, the author of The Soros Agenda. I think we had her on to talk about her book. Um, She's also the founder and the president of the American Center for Democracy and the Economic Warfare Institute. Welcome, Dr. Ehrenfeld. How are you? Um, I'm um, sad, worried, and uh, angry. Yeah, uh, I would, thank you. It's not. A, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not an easy time. It's not a. That's not a. It's not a glib question anymore. How are you in this environment? Because uh, so much is happening. Um, before we get maybe to a little bit more about this, um, can you describe from your perspective, having written a whole book on the Soros agenda, it, the fruits of what George Soros and his agenda? The fruits are what we saw. Uh, no one, no one like you is really surprised. They're, they're devastated by the, the, the tragedy and by the, the killing and all, but it's not a surprise, is it? Uh, it is not a surprise, uh, at all. Uh, if you're talking about, well, um, the Hamas atrocities, you mean? No, no, no. The, well, the, 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 that the Hamas atrocities are the fruit of the Soros. If, if you study oh, the Soros partly, agenda. Yes, partly, 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 yes. And I actually just uh, uh, sent and uh, tried to publish an article. It has not been published yet, uh, but hopefully it will be published soon. And then I will send it to you. Please do. Uh, because Soros has been funding... Uh, uh, actually, Palestinian organizations and pro-Palestinian organizations, pro-Hamas organizations, uh, pro-PIJ, Palestinian Islamic Jihad organizations, under the guise that they are funding their, uh, their activities uh, for uh, um, human rights, and uh, they were funding their activities in order to be able to uh, make public appearances and reach out um, and uh, convince people and they have been funding their activities against Israel, uh, funding BDS, uh, if not directly, then indirectly through the Tides Foundation mostly, uh, which is based in San Francisco. Uh, Soros does not uh, actually, he does not approve of the Jewish state of Israel. Sounds like Hamas to me. And right. uh, neither, sir, not the father or not his son, Alex, who is running the foundation now. And on, uh, what is it, um, two days ago, uh, the, um, uh, for example, Arab Resources uh, and or- an Organizing Center in San Francisco, uh, which is physically sponsored project by George Soros, by right. through Tide, uh, urge sent out... Uh, uh, urging, uh, uh, is, is very active among high school, high school students, mm-hmm. high schoolers. And uh, throughout the, na- throughout the United States, and they were urging, uh, to go out to the street and walk out for Gaza, uh, protests. Uh, they were sending it to all high schools. Um, and they were advocating chants such as Israel, Israel, you can't hide. We, Charge, we, we charge you with genocide and free, free Palestine. And the, the organization also sent some uh, talking points uh, that they can argue uh, and, and also encouraging them to say that the United States is complicit in the, in the uh, genocide of Palestinians and uh, to demand in the demonstrations to chant and yell and, and scream that they want ceasefire and uh, uh, that they want to decolonize Israel, uh, Palestine, and Palestine will be free. 
I mean, in addition, so they are funding that. In addition, we also, the group uh, that uh, actually invaded, uh, 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 invaded uh, Capitol Hill and demonstrated there for, on behalf of Hamas, uh, this is the, there were two groups, uh, Jewish Voices for Peace, which is completely anti-Israel, uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian. And um, these are progressive Jews and others. It's not only Jewish. Um, and also the, the other organization is, if, if not now, these were the groups that invaded the capital. And they were uh, demonstrating against Israel response to Hamas atrocities. Uh, they, they have been accusing Israel. They were chanting uh, Israel uh, committed genocide, uh, committing genocide, demanded ceasefire. They have received from uh, the Jewish Voices for Peace received $650,000 from Soros wow. uh, to work in, in, in the Middle East, uh, promoting human rights. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and in 2021, they received additional grant, unknown how much money, uh, for, because they don't uh, report on it, uh, or right. don't report accurately, uh, also for two more years. And, uh, if not now, received, uh, 400, uh, $400,000 in, 2019 and another four hundred thousand dollars in 2021 from Soros. Okay, these are just two examples. Right, okay? right, right. Um, Dr. Ehrenfeld, I, I want to ask. Sorry to interrupt you, but I want to ask you this question. You, 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 you are very uh, a prolific uh, author. Uh, over fifteen hundred uh, publications, five books, academic papers, PhD. Um, when you saw our American universities and and the responses, Harvard is the one that comes to mind again after decades of Soros money and left wing money and left wing professors. It's not surprising. It's disappointing. It's terrible, but it's not surprising, is it? It is not surprising, but it's not only really so. Soros money dwarfs in comparison to what Qatar, for example, has been uh, funding. Uh, universities, mm-hmm. academic institutions, etc. In since uh, June 2020, Qatar had spent at least 1.6 billion with wow. a B lobbying campaigns in the U.S. and more than 5.4 billion uh, giving to American universities. Universities: Harvard, George Washington University, Arkansas uh, University, Carnegie Mellon, Georgetown. Um, uh, Northwestern University, Texas AM, A&M, um, while Cornell a Medical uh, School and City University College in New York, just a few. They have been funding also um, uh, Brookings, for example, okay? Uh, they have been giving millions of dollars and a vice president of Brookings received uh, $14.8 million uh, to promote Qatar's uh, Interest in the United States. He's a former, he's a former U.S. ambassador to Israel twice. Uh, mm-hmm. He was Obama's, he was Obama's Middle East envoy. Uh, and he has harshly criticizing Israel, promoting the Iran deal, uh, uh, siding with the Palestinians. Apparently, uh, Qatar's investments here are, are actually paying off. 
Uh, moreover, in June 2022, uh, then uh, Brookings President John Allen was forced to resign because the FBI was investigating and there were court files showing that uh, the retired four-star general, Obama's appointee, former commander of U.S. and NATO forces in Afghanistan, was secretly lobbying for Qatar. Hmm. In violations of FARA. So, I mean, they have, these are just several, really, two examples of, of uh, uh, Qatar's influence. What, what, this has uh, been going on for decades. Decades, yeah. Dr. Ehrenfeld is our guest. And again, her book is uh, available as uh, Republic Book Publishers. Our friend there, Rachel Ehrenfeld. Dr. Ehrenfeld's book is The Soros Agenda. Um, where, how does this, uh, and I just have about a minute and a half left, about a minute. Um, where, where does the, the um, this is a terrible question to ask at the end, but the media the media uh, messaging on this it's a mess already and how worried are you that we're not going to get it right that we're going to be whipsawed by either lazy or dishonest media in america well uh we have uh, uh we have uh, both lazy and and uh Ill-intentioned media, uh, media that is controlled uh, by really by the left, right. and even even so-called conservatives, uh, conservative outlets, conservative media uh, outlets, publications. I have I have written like I have been uh, four of my articles, which are very well sourced. Uh, documented, uh, actually quoting uh, and, and showing what Hamas is doing, Hamas is saying, or those who support Hamas are doing, uh, have been have been rejected. Uh, and this is not good because the jihadists don't want to call on, don't want to yeah. kill only Israelis and Jews. Right. They right. want to kill Americans. They want to kill all infidels. I, I know it's, it's true. Time, I, I, it's time I, to be educated. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry. That was a bad question to ask so late in the interview, but I'm up against a heartbreak. I have to go. Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld, we'll have her back on again. She's a prolific uh, author and uh, a helpful voice. We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. I think we missed a week of John Schlafly. Can you believe it? We had one week where we did not have John Schlafly give us an update on his column. I know I read the column, but I mean, I didn't get to give us his uh, on air. So he's back. John Schlafly and his brother Andy do a weekly column. It uh, debuts over on townhall.com, our sister site, but it also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com where all of his columns are. He's continuing the nearly five, uh, 50 year, five decade run of his his late mother writing a weekly column, uh, Gag Order Invites Reversal, a column by John and Andy Schlafly. Welcome back, John. How are you? Um, good, Ed. Uh, good good to talk to you today. Yes. Yeah, so, John, um, the, the media covered the gag order with this. I, every headline, it seemed like every maybe everyone had the word narrow gag order. It, it was supposed to somehow be that wasn't such a big deal. The media was doing, which makes me realize it's a big deal. Was it a big deal? Is it a big deal? Yeah. Uh, and is it working? Because I haven't seen Trump commenting the same way on that matter. Well, I think that's right. Trump has. Uh, of course, uh, let's face it, everything about Trump has been blown out of the news due to events in uh, Israel. And uh, so that that is a factor. Um, and uh, uh, but it does seem like 
Trump is paying attention to his lawyer's advice and being more cautious. Now, Trump, his lawyers did appeal the bag order. And did you notice that Alan Dershowitz, a liberal Democrat who didn't vote for Trump, but he says the order is way too broad. He didn't say it's narrow. No, it's too broad. Hmm. Uh, and in, in Alan Dershowitz's opinion, there should be no reason why Trump cannot attack the prosecutor, Jack Smith, to the to his fullest extent that he cares to do so. Oh, he called Smith. What did he call Jack Smith? A lunatic, a maniac. I forget the exact <laughs> word, but, right. uh, you know, it's entirely, you know, this guy who's in charge of the Biden prosecution of Trump. Uh, of course, it's really Joe Biden is who's behind it. Right. But uh, Jack Smith has his own checkered history, which ought to be repeated and reminded to the general public about what he's doing. And but in any case, um, uh, this will go on appeal. And um, the real question, I think, is whether it ends up delaying the trial. Yeah, that's what I want. John, what's your bet on that? Has, what's has set on a trial that's going to come out on the eve of the Super Tuesday primaries. But if these emotions go up on appeal first to the D.C. Circuit and then possibly to the Supreme Court, this could cause a delay in the trial. And this is not the only uh, pre-trial motion. There are some other very serious issues, as you well know, because uh, there are issues involving uh, the January 6th defendants who were charged under the same uh, ancient, archaic provision of law that Trump was charged. Well, that's up to a higher court as to whether that type of charge is even valid. Right. And uh, so whatever is the outcome of those other cases will have a big impact on Trump and would delay the trial. So there's a lot going on in the background for the legal people who are following it. John, as a practical matter for non-lawyers, and I know you're a lawyer, we're talking with John Schlafly, um, but I, and I'm no expert on this, but as a practical matter, what is the reason that a defendant is is would be silenced? Is it that somehow he's affecting the jury pool? Because you know, saying mean things to the prosecutor uh, might only motivate the prosecutor to work harder. Saying mean things about the judge might backfire. I mean, Governor Gavin Newsom of California yesterday uh, was bad mouthing one of the judges who he didn't like the ruling against him. Now, I thought that was a crime against humanity. When Trump does it, it is. When Newsom does it, it's just fighting for uh, the citizens. But uh, is that was is that what the judge is relying on is saying, you know, you're distracting not you're distracting us from our work, is it? I mean, is that a standard that you the prosecutors are allowed to have uh, un, you know, uh, uh, no distractions in their life. Meanwhile, and by the way, the DOJ has a real long record, both parties, when they're in office, of leaking into the advantage of themselves. I mean, this is like one of the main things they do. So is that the theory that the judge is trying to push, that it's somehow going to hurt the jury, or isn't she even bothering with that? Well, she did talk about that, and you've, been, you've hit the areas in which the order went too far. Now, the, the, if it were truly narrow and the, uh, you know, they, they have, you know, if you just focus on witnesses. Now, any of your listeners who have ever been involved in a trial as a witness or has gone to court for anything, they're probably aware of the fact that if you're going to be a witness in a case, you're not allowed to sit 
and listen to other witnesses. You have to stay out of the courtroom because witnesses' testimonies are not supposed to be influenced by other people. So, you know, if the, if the judge wanted to be really narrow, she could have said that you know, Trump is not allowed to say anything about witnesses right, or right. potential witnesses or likely witnesses. Right. And uh, she would have been on stronger ground there. But then you have – but even that is questionable because one of the likely witnesses is Mike Pence. <laughs> right, and, right. And, <laughs> and here you have Trump – and Mike Pence is running against him for president. And are you going to say that a candidate cannot speak about another candidate? I mean, no, you can't do that. So um, there's all of these issues, and these are good examples of why this case is unprecedented, you know, and uh, and and an unprecedented, you know, these we should uh, the, the jury now. Now, what this judge, what this left wing. Obama judge said was that she's not going to pay any attention to the fact that Trump is a candidate. He's right. Exactly. This, th- th- yeah, this that's what, what, she cannot avoid that. That's she's what that's what I, that, that, that. Well, that's what I was going to that, ask that you. That part of it is wrong. That, she has got to give due allowance for the right of a candidate for president to speak to the American people. Well, and that's the point in my mind that the judge should look over at the prosecutor and say, if you wanted to do this against this guy, you could have done this a year ago, a year and a half ago when we wouldn't be up against this. His his free speech is different. His and the, as as you point out, and we talk with John Schlafly in your column, the people of the United States right to hear from the candidates. It, it, it has to be so. That's to me, John, that's the most obvious argument that a, a, a more sane judge would just say. And maybe the court of appeals just say, try this after the election. You, you know, let you can do whatever you want after the election. And when it's when you can say, you know, it's not going to be as meaningful to have to make these arguments that are effectively about the uh, about the conduct of the government in the last four years. Yes, that's certainly true as a legal matter, but then you get the political matter, and there's no doubt that this whole case was is brought by Trump in order to prevent Trump from being elected and to ensure the Biden's reelection. So, you know, that's the political, you know, course is totally improper, but there's no doubt that's that this whole thing was designed right. to blow Trump out of the reelection race. John, what's the best? What's your best predictions uh, in terms of what happens next? There'll be an appeal on the gag order. Um, it'll go to the court, D.C. Circuit. Uh, that is not particularly friendly. I mean, it, will we know within four or six weeks whether this is delaying the trial? Um, there, there are other motions. The judge has ins- uh, the, the Obama judge insisted that she was not going to delay the trial, but she may be. There are just so many uh, potential hurdles, roadblocks, and landmines, and delaying tactics that I think it's impossible. It's not. It's not easy to predict. This is not the only trial. You know, Trump has these other trials going on, and there's an equal number of uh, unpredictable things going on there. So all I can say is stay tuned and uh, uh, stay stay tuned to the Schlafly column because we'll be keeping you up to date on all of us. 
was gonna, I was going to say the same thing. Stay tuned to the program, but also stay tuned to the column. Good job, well, John. Uh, uh, yes. John, let's not, let's not overlook the, the program. All right, John Schlafly, everybody. It's the Schlafly Report. Uh, of course, debuts over at townhall.com, the sister site of the Salem Radio Network, but also all of it's archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. John and Andy Schlafly, very helpful. If you go there, you'll see all the different columns. And, uh, and uh, as John said, often commenting uh, sort of over the period of weeks on uh, these uh, topics that relate to each other. So thank you, as always, John Schlafly. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The great state of Texas, a conservative land of the free, is being targeted by lots of outside groups and even Joe Biden's administration. And the examples are many. Mere months ago, the Supreme Court allowed California attorneys to sue Texas pig farmers if they didn't give pigs enough space to satisfy animal rights activists. Fines and even imprisonment are imposed by this California law on pig farmers in every other state in our union. Although there are very few pig farmers in California who could be burdened by this regulatory tyranny. Justice Brett Kavanaugh predicted that this pig decision will pit states against each other in ways never seen before. The California law was ballot initiative proposition 12 and was funded with $13 million that included millions in dark money that could have been allied with groups with ulterior motives. The proponents of proposition 12 outspent the Midwestern pig farmers by a 20 to one margin. If you're a Texan and you happen to be inside the U S Capitol on January 6, 2021, there's a high likelihood that you're imprisoned. And for many years based on the prosecutors in DC and DC based judges on another front, illegal immigration, it seems unlikely that Texans will want to allow many million more illegals to bring their crime and drugs into that state for the next half decade based on another presidential election. The demand by our mentally incompetent president that Texas continue to open its border to a lawless invasion is the worst possible way to handle the border crisis. And it's terrible for Texas. Joe Biden's Department of Justice even filed a lawsuit in the Western District of Texas to have a system of harmless protective buoys removed from the Rio Grande River. Despite the enormous importance of controlling crime, drugs, and migrants that are illegally crossing the border, this lawsuit is being directed by the Environmental Defense Section of the DOJ's Environment and Natural Resources Division. However, the environment that they should be the most concerned about is the city streets where drugs and crime run rampant. This is what Texans care most about. And Joe Biden violating the sacred rule not to mess with Texas isn't going to bring about anything good. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American citizenship should never be taken lightly. That's why you need to go to phyllisschlafly.com and be part of the dialogue on the need for border security and an accurate census, the travesty of sanctuary cities, and voting rights for illegals. Voice your opinion at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, the last month or so has been really fun for me because I've been working with uh, Catherine Engelbrecht uh, and Greg Phillips, uh, who have worked together on True the Vote and other efforts. And they're the they're Greg Phillips is spending much of his time on it. But Catherine Engelbrecht is one of the founders also of Open.Inc., this um, website that has a, is a clearinghouse for us to post a lot of the January 6th collection, as well as other stuff. But here's the thing. They're really very, very talented people and a really interesting and fun to work with. And I'm rem- I was reminded in the midst of all this that Catherine Engelbrecht years ago came to St. Louis, excuse me, <clears throat> came to Washington, D.C., pardon me, came to Washington, D.C. to be part of our collegians effort where we have our uh, college students, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, college students get engaged. And she addressed the group and we had a a dinner afterwards. It was me and her and Sidney Powell and John Schlafly and Roger Severino and a few others. And just extraordinarily interesting, talented woman, Catherine Engelbrecht. It's been really fun to work with her. I've known her for years now, obviously. And in the midst of all this work we're doing on the January 6th collection, which is over at open.inc uh, slash J6, extraordinary uh, thing that they're doing. Catherine Engelbrecht's got family issues. She's got a, a, her, uh, her own family she's taking care of. I won't go into the details of it. And then I realized she's being sued. I, I don't know if Catherine Engelbrecht, she was in jail like a year ago because of, of she got held in contempt by a judge because she wouldn't do what they told her in terms of of, of some of the uh, overreach of, of uh, law uh, lawfare and courts. But and then she was uh, ultimately let out, uh, got let out of jail, obviously. But I, I realized she's back in court and, it, and it's in three days or so from now, later this week in Georgia, being sued uh, for defamation for the 2000 mules effort, her and Dinesh D'Souza and the companies and all. And I remembered saying to someone, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, she she is attacked and and the use of lawfare. She was one of the early her organization, True the Vote, early um, groups and people targeted by the IRS uh, to complicate the way people would work and do their work. She was fearless in saying what was true about election fraud, about the problems of fraud, about the fact that Republicans, as well as Democrats, but importantly, even because she's a conservative and identified as a conservative, she was willing to say it about Republicans. They're not doing enough about elections. They're not be- being serious about elections. They're, in other words, at a certain point, if you can see what the problems are and you can be shown what they are and you won't do anything, there's only one conclusion in the, in the sort of default position is you're in on it. You like the game rigged. And although Catherine Engelbeck was careful how she said that, she was very clear. She's like, hey, the system is not working. Who's going to address it? And lots of Republicans didn't want to. And my point here is she's probably been attacked and maligned for doing the right thing by more people on both sides of the aisle than anyone except that's not named Trump, honestly. And she has had to go through litigation time after time. I I, I recently brought up um, lawfare to her. In some context, and she was chuckled. And I, as, as she chuckled, I realized, what am I talking about? Lawfare, describing lawfare when I see, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Clark being railroaded and I see uh, John Eastman being attacked. And I was I think I was describing some of that to her and she kind of chuckled. I mean, she herself has been through it. Uh, I mean, just one time after another. It's extraordinary. And yet and yet she, there she is still doing the same thing, which is doing the right thing. And being a voice out there and not being afraid of it and not at all being without uh, joy. I mean, it's incredible. 
I mean, I'm 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 nervous half the time and I get worried and uh, stressed out over things. It's not even me. I'm worried about other people, including her. You know, uh, Sidney Powell, I mean, the other one of the other people that was at that dinner with us. I mean, Sidney's been through just a, the, the ringer times 100. But it's nothing compared to what Catherine Engelbeck's going through. So my point in telling you all that is I, I want to make sure people realize she'll be back in court in Georgia being attacked for doing the right things. She'll be back ha- paying the price for being out there. And what we need to support her in any way we can. True the Vote uh, is a great organization. That's her organization. You can always support that. There's lots of other ways to uh, to support her and what she's doing in terms of prayer. She mentioned when I asked her, what what can we be doing? It's true. The ver- it's true. The vote dot org, by the way, is the website. And that it is a uh, an entity that um does accept donations if you want to support uh, their work. Uh, they're they're in the middle of a lot of the lawsuits. They get sued themselves, so um, that's a good place to go. And also, there's lots of resources on that website for ways you can get involved in protecting the election process. That's from the beginning what she's been doing. Uh, but she mentioned, I said, what could you do? She said, well, first of all, people can pray. Second of all, just raising awareness, which is one of the reasons I decided to do this segment, get people understanding and talking about what's going on, and then saying and supporting Catherine Engelbrecht in what she's doing. So it's good enough. It's great to pray for her. And I'm, I'm all for intentional prayer. I had a, a preacher tell me that last week. You got to be more intentional, be specific in what you pray for. Pray for Catherine Engelbrecht to succeed and do well. Pray for her organizations to succeed and do well. That's good. But uh, the other thing is to find ways to uh, spread the word and get people to understand who's fighting for us, who's on our side, who's actually doing stuff, not just tweeting, not just talking on a radio show even, but actually out there building the organizations, empowering people, and fighting off the people that are trying to stop it. She's extraordinary. So uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, very much one of our the great Americans of this time, who's not stopped fighting one minute in the face of incredible, incredible adversity. And so please uh, support her in what she's doing. TrueTheVote.org, again, is her organization. And uh, keep an eye out for and uh, for what's happening with her and uh, highlight it for other people. So there you have it. Um, I will put all that up on social media. We've got to uh, take a break now. I want to say thank you to Mason Mohan and Ryan Hyde, our producers, and all those folks at The Answer San Diego in San, uh, in San Diego uh, in the Salem Radio Network for helping us get the show on and get it out well. So we we will uh, post all that up. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Don't forget uh, uh, open.inc slash J6 is where you can see the January 6th collection, another one of Catherine Engelbrecht's great projects that she's helping us do. So we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.